You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine, either late Sunday night or Monday morning? Uh, To pull back the curtain, I am recording these as Giants-Cowboys get rolling. Um, We're starting off with Travis Wingfield. He's the host of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I'm not sure who the other two are exactly going to be at this point while we're recording, but they'll be wonderful. I can promise you that. Travis, what is shaking? Not too much, man. 2-0 and uh, looking forward to week three. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I was on the Dolphins bandwagon or was picking them to go to playoffs or anything like that, but there were some analysts out there saying this could be a first overall type picking team or the worst team in the AFC or competing with the Browns or Colts or Bills as the the dregs of the league. And I never saw this team that way. And I've been a Tannehill supporter. I've been a Gase supporter. And I know there are some ups and downs today, but overall, I think it's a solid quality football team. Yeah, I remember reading that you were saying they were going to be in that, you know, eight, seven, nine win range. And that seems totally plausible to me. And I never really quite understood why the contrary was popular because you saw it last year with when Jay Cutler had a bad game, they had no chance to win. And, you know, Ryan right. Tannehill, you mentioned it was up and down today, but it, the ups were much higher than Cutler's ups and the downs were much higher than Cutler's downs. And he just kind of stabilizes the offense in a way that Cutler couldn't do. So the, the first overall pick stuff was always kind of crazy to me. 2-0 is a good start for that too. Yeah, absolutely. And it seemed like they came out of the gates playing really well. I'm curious how much you know Gase scripted to start the game. Um, Tannehill was hot early and cooled down a little from what I saw. But I have some questions. Again, I'm a, I'm a proponent of him for sure. It seemed like a lot of RPOs, which I think he runs really well and is a vastly underrated athlete and decision maker. Uh, how was his pocket presence? Um, I didn't see him having to make a lot of tough throws in this one, though. Yeah, it, there was, it was like you mentioned, it was up and down. But okay. uh, as far as the pocket presence goes, he had two, his two touchdown passes, or rather one touchdown pass and the one that sealed the game, a little third and 19 dump off pass that Gore did the rest on. He moved around and, and avoided a sack in both of those situations. And the pass rush of the Jets got after him all day because there was other plays where it just wasn't quite as sharp. And they definitely felt the loss of Josh Sitton at left guard in this game. So it was up and down in that department, too. You saw the, you saw the boom with it in the touchdown play. And you saw the bust with it on way too many sacks. Yeah, I mean, it was under pressure. It's a good defense he faced. Um, let's talk about the the Miami defense a little bit, though. I mean, a big thing I thought that they had going for them going into this game was great edge pass rushers on the Miami side against questionable tackles. But it looked like, you know, it was the defensive tackles that really stuck, stu- you know, st- stood up in this one you know, versus the run. Only 2.2 yards per carry as well as interior pressure on Darnold. It was incredible, and I really didn't expect them to dominate like that. And Devon Godshaw, the defensive tackle, he's a second-year player out of LSU. He was dominant in that game, in the backfield all game long. James Carpenter really had no answer for him, even jumped off sides one play because he was trying to get out in front of him on a reach block and just couldn't handle him. And you mentioned the, the collapsing pocket from the middle. Robert Quinn did a good job bending that edge, and that forced Donald up into the pocket. But there was Jordan Phillips. There came Akeem Spence, all these guys that were rallying to the football. And they, they just they played hard. They played with their hair on fire, and they got after it today. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what's your thoughts overall on the front seven? If they can get quality defensive tackle production with Sue gone 
And the linebackers could come along. I don't think Alonzo is going to be a star. Or, I'm not an Alonzo fan, but the other two Ohio State kids, I think their best football is ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that front four, like you mentioned, it's actually eight deep. And so I'm I'm totally good with the front eight, so to speak. But you mentioned the linebackers. And one of the things that they just can't get out of their own way on is the third and long situations and keeping the nickel defense on the field, nah. which gets you Kiko Alonso, like you mentioned. I know that's why you're not a fan of him because he cannot cover no, in right. space. And so they got him dropping deep on these zone drops, and they always seem to pick on him where they just kind of fit it in a window right next to him, and he can't make a play. So that's the concern. But he also is a big turnover guy. He's got a pick and two forced fumbles already this year. He does have some playmaker to him, as does Minka Fitzpatrick, who I don't feel like is getting the national recognition he deserves of what looks like a very, very promising rookie year and future in this league, versatility. Give me a rundown of what you've seen so far from Minka and bring, uh, I also wanted to bring up the other first-round pick in this, this game, too, was Sam Darnold. I mean, everyone saw Sam Darnold, quote, looking great against the Lions, and I didn't think he played badly in that game. I'm not saying that, but the Lions couldn't have played worse. I mean, he wasn't asked to do a whole heck of a lot. I think people were putting the, the, the cart before the horse on Darnold before this game. Sure, yeah. We'll start with Donald first. I thought okay. he played I thought he played pretty well. Uh his Jets receivers let him down pretty bad. There was a really bad yeah. drop up the sideline by Chris Herndon that I think it was a second and ten, wound up being a punt, would have been, you know, first and ten in Dolphins territory. So he, he just looked a little bit frazzled at times under the pass rush. I don't think the Lions really challenged him in that way, like the Dolphins did, like you mentioned, up the middle. I mean, that's gonna frustrate any quarterback, especially a rookie. So all all things told, I thought he was okay. The the two picks were pretty bad, so I mean it all kind of evens out in the end. But as far as Mika Fitzpatrick, I for my money, this guy's gonna win the rookie of the year on the defensive side of the ball because he's playing slot, he's playing free safety, he's going man up with you know Corey Davis, or today it was even Quincy Anunwa, and just taking them out of the game. And it's and I know what Anunwa had a big day, but that was when he wasn't necessarily in the slot. So Mika Fitzpatrick has just been an absolute eraser so far for the Dolphins. Yeah, that was a gift on draft day. I mean, he never should have lasted that long. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and they pounced on him as they should. Um that's all I got. Unless you have any other little notes you want to throw out there, we just do quick little hitters here to get the, the fans in the loop for games they didn't necessarily see, Travis. And where can they find you? And if you have anything else to add, please go right ahead. And then I want to tell everyone about my bookie. Yeah, sounds good, man. And, you know, I, I just one thing on Adam Gaze and the coaching staff, I yeah. thought they got a little bit conservative in the second half, which I thought was out of character for them. Usually they're kind of a go for the kill and, and foot on the throat type of coaching staff. And it was surprising to see them kind of rear back and, and just be safe with things. I think part of that was the offensive line and lack of protection, too. So okay. that's the negative side of the game, I suppose, uh, where you can find me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, my last name. And of course, Locked on Dolphins podcast and Locked on Dolphins dot com. Yeah, great stuff. Everyone has to do that. Everyone also has to go over to mybookie.com. Um, I've been doing this a lot of years. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing this many, many podcasts, and I'm often asked, who do I think is going to win? And every Friday I tell you, I go to mybookie.com, I pick the game straight up and against the spread, and I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, which mybookie absolutely has been. So that's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, they have over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie, there's, there's some, some new stuff going on. I've been telling you guys a lot about MyBookie the last couple weeks. But they're so slammed with new bettors, and they want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, they throw an extra 25 bucks on there for you. So... Here's what you do. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, as they always have. And, and our promo code still stands, locked on, all one word. 
visit my bookie today and don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account and you can you can also you know they'll get all that money do- dollar for dollar but here's the kicker if you wait until after seven o'clock p.m you you get that extra 25 and here's what you do with that you put in a different promo code locked on and then the number number two and five locked on 25 all one word we'll get you the extra 20 for 25 free button i can't talk i'm sorry the extra 25 free bucks that you got to do it so it's up to you guys but i'd wait till after dinner take the extra cash so my bookie you play you win you get paid All right, all right, we are back, and this one just kind of happened, boom, like that. My man Brad Mater came walking in the door from the game. What was the atmosphere like there, dude? Tell us all about it. I mean, we caught you just as you're walking in the door, and you're about to record your podcast, so we're going to bang this out. Yeah, well, you got to say one thing out of the gate is the excitement level is there, right? Uh, The Rams, it was a late showing as far as people getting in. It took me a while to get into the game. There was, by the time we sat down to start the game, there was probably an hour wait to get in. The Coliseum's kind of a mess when it comes to NFL, and it shows uh, in the crowd. But everyone was great. Uh, The atmosphere at home, they had all the legends back in town. They introduced a bunch of uh, season ticket holders that have been there. We had this sweet old lady who was 92 years old sitting behind us that stood up on every third down that was being loud and proud. So it was a great <laughs> atmosphere, and the Rams definitely didn't disappoint as far as when it came to production on the field, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. It was a dominant performance. And I'm on the other side of the country, and I get the feeling, I'm not sure if they're doing this on purpose, but this team, the way it's assembled the massive star power almost has a feel like magic and worthy and Kareem Lakers. Yeah, there's definitely a showtime feel about it. And, you know, seeing Brandon cooks go deep down the field and Jared Goff, although still working on his deep ball accuracy at this point was 24 of 32 with 350 yards. So he put up the big numbers, had a touchdown, one interception, which the interception he's rolling out to the right. And he really tried to force one in the red zone. We're already up two and a half scores at that point. So I think he was just getting a little greedy, but uh, they definitely have that feel about it. They're working celebrity star power as far as, you know, concerts before the game and showing people in the crowd. So they're definitely trying to pull that, you know, showtime Laker magic you talked about as we transition soon into that new stadium, they're getting everybody ready for what the show is going to be for the next few years, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a really fun team. I mean, my son's got a girly jersey, and he's a Steeler fan. You know, it's just hey, like it's a fun, right. yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a fun team to get behind. They're putting up fantasy numbers. I mean, there's uh, star power everywhere. My man Aaron Donald is, I think, the best defensive player in the league. You know, my guy from Pitt and around here. And speaking of that defense, right. just a dominating performance. And I know the Cardinals aren't the best offense, and could be a long year for that side of the ball. But that's exactly what you want to see if you're the Rams. Definitely. I mean, you're looking at it across the board. They didn't allow 100 yards through the air. They did not allow 100 yards on the ground. They didn't allow them past the 50 yards. That's insane. Uh, so you mentioned that that defense takes pride. Yeah, that defense takes pride in it. Uh, in between the breaks, as they're playing music. I mean, you saw on Monday Night Football Marcus Peters and his mic'd up session that the Rams released. That was just you know pure gold coming out of Week One. But the swagger of the defense is unreal. You can see it in every timeout. They're dancing around. They're hyping up the crowd. 
uh, they believe that you're not getting past the 50-yard line. So that's what I loved about him. Again, quarterbacks uh, of the opposing team are getting the ball out fast. Sam Bradford looked like he had this internal clock of, I'm just going to count to 1-2 and throw it, no matter if it's something I want or not. Right. Uh, we had maybe one or two sacks, but again, they just, they're getting the ball out fast. But the defense is dominant. John Johnson the third is probably one of those unsung heroes of this big-name defense. Second-year guy. He had seven solo tackles, one for loss. So he showed up big again today. And that defense is just, they're flying all over. They're gang tackling like crazy. So uh, excited to see them kind of grow. I mean, it's only game two that they played together. So what they can do as far as the big picture is kind of scary for other teams in the league. Yeah, and you mentioned Johnson is kind of a under-the-radar, you know, big-time contributor. And I don't want to say Michael Brockers is unsung. I mean, he's a former first-round pick, but he's been sort of overshadowed by Sue and Donald, which you can understand. I think he's a heck of a player, too. Oh, oh, for sure, for Man. sure. We're really excited about that whole front line. And Brockers yeah. is one of those guys we expect to have those big numbers because everyone's paying attention to Sue and Donald that you want to see. You know, Littleton had a sack today. I think Ibokum got in there and made some big plays. So you're going to hear a lot of those you know, secondary names on this team making massive plays because everyone's focused on that front. But you're right, Brockers is another one of those guys that – First round draft pick, so you, you'd assume, but with the big names we have on the team, he kind of gets lost in the mix. Yeah, which is unfair to him because I think he's really a star. Um, probably the biggest star in the team right now is Gurley. Uh, he left the game. I'm sure if it would have been much closer, he would have stuck around. They said it was just cramps. I'm sure it was warm there, but he was obviously very productive. You don't think there's anything to worry about there, do you? No, I think it's just you know McVeigh being cautious with yeah. it we're blowing them out at home you look at a coach that didn't play his starters through the whole regular season so when you're up double digits in the second half and your guy gets a little bit of tightness he already had three touchdowns fantasy owners are happy right you know, everyone's happy carries yeah. For, yeah for 42 yards so not the crazy big numbers he had three catches for 31 as well to go along with it on the three targets but he's just he, he's the heart of our offense and the nice thing is to see that we can stretch the ball with Brandon Cooks. You know, he had nine targets. Robert Wood had, Woods had nine targets. So he can move the ball around. Uh, but Gurley's the heart, of that def- uh, the heart of that offense, and I think he was just being safe with them. It, it, I know I'm, I'm not being critical because it didn't matter at all, but I couldn't believe how open Woods was late in the game and Goff missed him. I mean, it was almost comical. And, and you mentioned no, Cooks. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you're right. There were, there were a handful of times where – uh, a bunch of people are open. I think that's just the offense, you know, the same offense coming in from last year. But you're right, Goff and, and getting used to, this is still basically, you know, people look at it maybe the second preseason game. And I'm not, you know, underrating right, any right. of the teams we've played or saying they're preseason type caliber, but they're still getting going. So I expect those things to be oiled out in a little bit. But you're right, he missed a bunch of stuff. And I think that's why we can't go giving Jared Goff the game ball here is because he's got some improvement. Uh, but he did show good things throwing the ball down the field. But you're right. There's there's still things to grow on. I think that's what McVay's going to go home and chew on and really be excited about is, oh, yeah, we blew him out. But I can still nitpick at this team and, and expect oh, yeah. or ask for more. Yeah, absolutely. And the last six quarters have been tremendous, obviously. And I think that's really who they are. But I do think Goff has better football ahead of him. And you mentioned Cooks. I think Cooks is really interesting because... I felt like Sammy Watkins got a little bit of a bum bum rap last year because he came to the team so late. And for those of us that watch uh, All-22 film, I thought he played great and was open a lot. They just either didn't see him or didn't choose to go his way or was somewhat of a decoy. 
And I think Cooks is immediately stepped up from that, obviously production-wise. But I think I don't mean it's. An, I don't think it means that Sammy couldn't get the job done. I mean, what's your thought on that whole dynamic there? No, it's a it's a good assessment there because you're looking. I mean, right now as we talked about it, Brandon Cooks got nine targets today. If you could circle one game that Sammy Watkins had nine targets, I'll give you ten bucks. He didn't get it. He was just wasn't getting those looks, especially early on. You talked about him joining late. Obviously, we got Brandon Cooks pre-draft. Watkins came in during training camp, so. You're right, those those connections, uh, a lot of his action that he did in productivity was inside the red zone. I think he ended up with eight touchdowns last year, but all of them, or about you know 80% of them, were inside the 20, if not inside the 10. So he didn't have a lot of targets, but he was productive when he had them. So I get what you're saying, but I love it as a Rams fan and as running Lockdown Rams is seeing Brandon Cooks get involved early. I think something that they're committing, obviously they gave him the contract. Sammy right. didn't get the extended contract. So you're looking at a guy that they invest in, not only money, but financially, or, you know, year-wise. So they want to get him going early this season. I love it. Uh, you asked for your number one target, and we got him. You know, we traded our first-round pick, so they're going to give him, give him the love. Seven catches, 159 yards. We can't wait to see him get in the end zone. I'm sure he likes it, but there's a couple of those deep bombs where – if Goff just threw it maybe a second earlier and let him run under it, he had his man beat. I think he's going to be a huge, huge time uh, one-two combo out here with him and Goff, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And as Brad mentioned, he's the host of Locked on Rams, obviously. He's going to be recording that one any minute now. So if you want more in-depth Ram coverage, you absolutely have to check that out. And Brad, what's your Twitter, Twitter handle as well? Yeah, you can check us out at Locked On Rams or my personal at LA underscore Rambling Bear. Uh, but posting up content on both those locations. We talk weekly. We've got a great schedule, just like you're doing over at Locked On NFL. We talk about it a lot over on our podcast, how you've got your weekly guests. We have the same thing happening over on cool. at Locked On Rams. We've got some local LA media that's coming on. So we've got a very scheduled program with. Uh, some great guests. So come check it out. We'll be talking a lot of exciting things. As you can tell, I'm upbeat. I think my heart's going a thousand beats per minute right now with excitement. And that's <laughs> kind know. of the way the show goes five days a week when you got these guys to talk about. Awesome. Guys, we will be right back. Brad, thanks so much for joining me. And we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right, we are back with the third leg of our journey, the trifecta today. We are finishing up with a team that has not looked so good. We've had some winning people on, and now we are bringing on the host of Locked On Lions, Matt Derry. How are you, man? Hey, Matty. Good to hear from you again. Uh, doing all right. Yeah, I mean, everyone... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone watched Jets-Lions. I mean, the whole world saw that, and that could not have gone worse. This was better. Oh, my God. This was better. <laughs> I love it. I wish you were on my show. I, let me let me, let me me say this. Uh, you know, the Lions found themselves again trailing 30-13. to 13, Yeah. And in Matt Stafford and Lions fashion over the last nine years, we've seen the, the comeback kids come back and fall short, and today that's what we saw. Now... You're right. Give the Lions credit, I guess, for for fighting. There have been a lot of reports, a lot of speculation about the guys not loving what Matt Patricia is is serving them as the new chef. And today they didn't quit, but they've got a lot of issues, a lot of holes, and now at 0 and 2, 
not in good shape of the Patriots coming to town next week. No, that's 100% right. So let's spend a minute or two on a couple positives. I mean, if you only watched the last quarter or 20 minutes or so of this game, it looked like a pretty equal fight, and Stafford basically looked like Stafford. I also think Ken, Kenny Galladay might be on the verge of stardom, and maybe this is taking too much of a leap of faith, but I think they need to hand this running back job to carry on Johnson, because when I see him out there, I think he's clearly their best option. Uh, it, it's crazy, Matt. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, 21 touches in two games for Johnson is not enough. No. Today, today they had another opportunity where, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me. I just got done my pod. But, I, you know, he's, he's not getting enough touches. LeGarrette Blunt has been fine so far. The run, look, the run game is terrible, and it's been terrible since Barry retired. So there's a glimmer of hope that it's gone from horrible to terrible. Uh, and Blunt today had some decent runs, but again, when you're down thirty to thirteen, you had you have, aban- <laughs> you have to aban- right, you have to abandon the run and throw the football. And and again, Stafford threw over fifty times today. But I'm with you about Johnson. There needs to be more. I think if this team continues to spiral downward, you'll see a guy like Legarrette Blunt maybe get moved at the deadline, and then you just then Johnson just carries the ball the whole game. So that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. I. With this football team, you you never know. I don't know where this is going. Uh, this has been this has been very. This was the quietest training camp I can remember. There was no controversy, and then, boom! Now now it's 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 spiraling very downward, and it's not a good scene. Uh, a theme we saw even before Patricia though was they've had very distinct style of running backs, and clearly this offseason, Ragnow you know, carry on Johnson, that a major priority was let's establish a run game. But defenses look at you so much different when Blunt's in the game versus Theo Riddick being in the game. You have to have some sort of medium, and Johnson's that guy. I agree. I think the Lions are very predictable on offense. I think you bring up a good point, Matt. When Blunt's in the game, you know you're running. When Theo's in the game, you know that he's going to come out of the backfield in a passing situation. So, that's another issue is they're very predictable. The Jets said it uh, after the game on Monday night that they knew what was coming. Today, Chris Spielman, who, of course, does some work for the Lions on their preseason broadcast and is, a, is on their DetroitLions.com a website for some video work, he said on the broadcast today, watch this, and they, they showed two plays, one with Taylor Decker looking, his eyes and his helmet were in toward the line on a, on a run play, and then his eyes and his helmet were on the outside, looking left at the left tackle spot on a pass play. And he said, look, their t- left tackle is telegraphing what's coming. <laughs> so back-to-back weeks, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, you know, you only get 16 chances here. Telegraphing plays, and ugh, it's not good. Not it's good. not good. I mean, I'm a big Stafford believer. I think he'll play better. I just don't know how comfortable he is in the system right now. And I don't know why no one talked about it. Maybe he just got uh, out of that la- game one unscathed, but it looked like he was injured twice in that game. I mean, is he okay? Yeah, I think he's all right. I, you know, today today was better. Uh, the protection was better. He missed a couple of throws when he had time. Uh, two deep balls to Marvin Jones, a deep ball to Kenny Galladay. He puts one of those three on the money. We might be talking about a Lions win today. He has not yeah. been. He has not been as sharp as he should be for a guy making over $20 million a year. Uh, game one, you know, the, the turnovers today, 
um, you know, trying to elude a sack, and he just dropped the football, and the Niners got it and scored. So he's not taking good care of the football. This has not been the, the best, a very good performance from Stafford the first two weeks, but I do, I do think he's healthy. He was healthy today. He was fine. Yeah, I thought the Lions were going to be very similar to like Kansas City this year, where start everybody. The offense is going to roll. The defense is going to be a disaster. Put all your fantasy players in these games. And I'm kind of right. I mean, the defense is problematic. They did get six sacks, and I thought Garoppolo was rather uncomfortable, but I didn't see as much of it as you did. But Matt Breida goes for 12.5 yards a carry. <laughs> I, I was on with um, uh, you know Brian this week, who hosts Locked on Niners, and I, I made the comment on our crossover pod on Wednesday, I don't know who your skill people are, and, of course, all the Niner fans and his listeners were tweeting at me, ooh, wait till you see, you know, Pierre Garçon and right. whatever. The guy's 50. But this Breida kid went ballistic. And because the Lions D-tackles, it, it, you know, when Ricky Jean-Francois is your best D-tackle and he was signed a week before the uh, training camp, that's not a good sign. No, it's a problem. Uh, a- a- Sean Robinson, a former second-round pick, has regressed. Sylvester Williams is, is an average player, and that's it. I mean, Deshaun Hand played pretty well today. He's kind of inside and outside. But this new defense that Patricia has, it's all these hybrid linebackers playing all over the place, some inside, some outside. Kennard, like you mentioned, was one of those six sacks today. I thought four or five of those sacks, though, were coverage sacks. Garoppolo holds the ball way too long. Yeah. So that was part of it, too. But they, they he still had time to throw. Uh, the, the secondary for the Lions is, is a strength. If Slay is okay for next week, that'll be good. He, he was uh, left the game with a concussion. Hopefully he's all right. But there, there's a lot of holes right now with this football team that need to need to get filled rather quickly. Yeah, I've been kind of saying about the Lions' D that I see five or six true starters, and those guys have star potential, or in the case of a guy like Slay, are stars. But they're also, but that's like you said, there's that is whole there's still many holes there that just simply aren't good enough and teams are going to expose those and you're switching schemes yeah you're switching schemes and and this is a very very interesting point is the draft so bob quinn now is in his third year as general manager uh three very high draft picks of quinn's uh jared davis number one pick two years ago Mm -hmm. Sean robinson number two pick three years ago and T's Tabor, number two pick two years ago, they're all bad. I mean, J- yeah. Jared Davis, I, I don't get it. This is a first-round pick. Matt, he can't play. I mean, he's literally your starting middle linebacker who overruns everything. Yeah, that so one. Sh- we just got cut off there real quick, and we were just talking about the, the recent additions through the draft. And you mentioned them, and I thought Davis was a good pick at the time. I thought he was going to be a long-term answer. I wasn't doing cartwheels over Robinson or Tabor, but you're right. I mean, they need more out of these guys. Yeah, no, no doubt. Jared Davis has really struggled, and I never thought in a million years at a top, you know, 20, 21 pick, a guy that really has a lot of speed, played at Florida, so it's not like he he was playing against, uh, you know, low-level competition. No, right. uh, He's really, really struggling, and he's overrunning everything. He's swinging and missing on tackles. Uh, he's getting beat by tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Oh, and that's your middle linebacker, kind of the captain of your defense, the green sticker on his helmet. Uh, not That's just, it, you can't have that. And, and again, with the Lions' depth issues that they have on their front seven, it's 
not like you're sitting here going, oh, well, they got this this guy behind them that can come in. They don't really don't. So I don't know where they're going to turn because you draft, you know, rather high two second rounders in Tabor and Ashawn and then Jared Davis and, and all three are struggling. Uh, there's no, they're not, they're not, there aren't many other places you can go. Those guys are supposed to be players. No, you're 100% right. And I really don't have anything else for you. Um, they only lost this game by three points. It feels right. worse than that, I'm sure, if you're a Lions fan, especially after week one. But all's not lost. I mean, there are some very good players on this team. And I think the offense has a chance to be great. But you really got to squint right now. No, there's no question about it. Like you said, there's 14 weeks left. New England next week at home off a loss. Uh, Lions will be at Ford Field. Hopefully the place is rocking and, and enough people have enough uh, lubrication uh, <laughs> yes. for pregame, Matt. Um, but again, you look at the schedule, you're right. They play Buffalo. They play Arizona. They play Dallas. Um, you know, Hopefully those are three pretty winnable games. I know the da- Dallas looks good tonight, but we'll, we'll see. I you know, like you said, Kenny Galladay can be a star. Golden Tate, another 100-yard game. Marvin Jones, when the ball is not overthrown, can do some things. They finally targeted their tight ends a couple times today, which they don't do enough. You mentioned on Johnson. I think Ragnow is going to be better. The O-line yeah. seemed to be okay today. It wasn't great, but there were shades. So they're going to score some points, but they've got to fix that front seven defensively. Hopefully Kennard keeps this up and and they can go on some sort of run. But you know the numbers, 88% of teams that start 0-2 don't make the playoffs. And this was a team that Bob Quinn, their GM, said, 9-7 and is not acceptable, we need to be better. And now they're staring at 0-3 in the face with the Patriots coming in next week. Matt, this was a blast. Where can everyone find you? Good stuff. I'm sure we'll be talking down the road here, too. No doubt. Uh, Twitter at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks. And anytime, Matt, you need me, uh, uh, check out Locked on Lions. We, we broke it down post-game. And... <laughs> it's been a it's been a rough first two weeks man (laughs) i hear you folks that's gonna do it for our monday show as usual sage rosenfels will join me tomorrow we'll talk quarterbacks probably have a little viking chat go around the league with him as well um make sure you check everybody out on the locked on network for more details on your favorite team and leave me a note and on itunes and a rating it's been a little while since i've checked those out go surprise me see you later